0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 382, we are wrapping up our Ages and Stages series with a guest I've been wanting to have on the show for a long time, Dr. Ken Wilgus, to talk about teens.
1: And this is the main message, I think, for concerned Christian parents is you need to give your young adult the message. You can grow up here in this house. You do not have to get away. There's Mm -hmm. just so many, you know, Christians, young people that felt like the only way I was going to reach the essential stage of adulthood is to get away. And we don't Mm -hmm. want that.
0: Dr. Ken or Ken is the author of the book, Feeding the Mouth That Bites You. Such a great And it was through his work as a licensed psychologist for many years, helping parents and young adults navigate what we call the teen years. And he discovered really the word teenager wasn't a thing until 1941. And so how do we start helping our young adults navigate freedom and learn responsibility and move into adulthood while still under our care? He has a great framework for this. I am So excited to finally share it with you and point you to his book and his podcast. Uh, Before we get into the episode, though, I also want to invite you into something really exciting. I am passionate that moms do not mom alone. And in the teen years, that is hard. But when I went to the southern border of Mexico and I met with migrants from other countries whose teens were being recruited for gangs and their only option was to flee the country they loved and to travel through Mexico and hope for a better life for their kids, one of safety, one of opportunity. So when I heard about what Compassion was doing, this great cause that I get to invite you guys to be a part of, I was thrilled because it's happening in Guatemala. We can do something to help a group of 100 And 25 women in Guatemala, we get to work together and give them the opportunity to be financially independent, to help support their family right where they are. There is a bakery project headed up by a local church and supported by Compassion International, and they need commercial ovens to get this bakery workshop started. The ovens cost about $12,400, and that works out to be about $100 each woman. But those $100 for each woman stand in the way between her and her ability to support and learn a skill that brings her dignity, financial independence, and to provide for her kids. So we can do this. If you go to compassioncauses.com forward slash DMA, you're going to see some options. Click the income generation button, and then it'll give you one more little prompt. You say, make a difference. You'll see a bakery workshop. Give whatever you can. This is not a long-term financial commitment, $5, $10, whatever your budget allows. And together, I believe we can equip these moms and create this opportunity for them to have an income and independence. And I'm super excited to give you an update next week on the episode. Also follow along on Instagram at Don't Mom Alone. All right. So now let's get to my interview with Ken. I'm so excited to share him with y'all. Here we go. Dr. Ken, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. It is so great to finally have you on the show.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: I think it was with my oldest when he was hitting the teen years that one of my mentors mentioned your book, Feeding the Mouth That Bites You. I always get it wrong and say feeding the hand that bites you. And that that's not it. That's not it. But it just blew my mind. The concept was so practical. And yet we applied it. It has been huge in our family. And so I wanted to make sure if we're covering this stage of adolescence that we invite you on the show. So thank you. I
1: I did not know that. Good. I'm glad that it's been helpful.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it is really, I mean, we're going to get into it, but this is a unique stage of development that I feel like as parents with your guidance does not have to be as intimidating, does not have to be as stress-filled it allows for maintaining a connected relationship, which is long-term. Like I got some questions from people. How do I want them to come back home after they leave? That's and I right. feel like your way does that. And also it helps our world have functioning adults. <laughs>
1: like, That's very well said. Goal. That's right. So That's
0: we don't right. have prolonged adolescence. So we don't have parents calling into colleges and doing the helicopter thing. Right. So let's talk through it. Tell me how you came to this concept of talking not just about teenagers, but about adolescence and all of that. Well,
1: you know, I, th- I remember uh, in graduate school uh, changing uh, from basically turning down one internship site because they wanted me to just work with adolescents. And I was like, no, nope, not going to be roped into just that. And then I showed up at Chicago Michael Reese Medical Center and they said, by the way, about half your time is going to be spent with our intensive Adolescent unit, and I was like, oh, "Great!" I think it's because my field is uh, there's a lot of women in my field, and to have a male uh, was pretty necessary for sort of scary adolescents. So, you know, you make your own plans, and then God tells you what you're really going to be doing. Yeah. And next thing you know, I did feel like I kind of had a knack for stuff that be even some ways that other therapists were talking to teenagers that I would instinctively go, "No, that that's not going to work," you know. And so you just kind of find that niche. And I I like the way you said it, what I started teaching seminars, like this is back in the 80s and 90s, when uh, focus on the family, James Dobson was a big deal, people would spend an entire day, actually a Friday night, and an entire Saturday just to learn about parenting teenagers. So we did that, I did that for 20 years or more, people kept saying, well, why don't you write a book? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of really good books on (laughs) writing, parenting teenager I'm like, well, why would I need to add anything? Well, it turns out that the one thing that I did feel like needed to happen is in all of the information, you know, I work especially with moms who could get a master's degree in development. They've just read everything. I guess the question that kept coming up is how do I know if I'm doing it right? Is there a path that I can be on that even if I'm struggling, I don't have to worry that I don't know what in the world I'm doing? And that's kind of what the goal of feeding the mouth at bites you is, is to first point out the huge, important distinction that adolescent stage is. You know, we get so micro, you and I were talking before this, uh, we get so micro in our information about our kids that huge milestones pass mm-hmm. that we don't even think about. And the biggest one that people need to know is childhood is over by about the age of 13. And and all of the world has known that forever. And we actually think that adolescence is like snapped onto the end of childhood, like old children. You know, the word teenager wasn't in, really used till 1942. We're you know, people say, well, I have a traditional way of parenting. We we really hang on, especially Christian parents. You know, we really want to be involved and we're real structured. I'm like, yeah, that's real new stuff that's not the way it was in Jesus time it's not the way around the world we're the new people and yeah. knowing that adolescence is a, is basically young adulthood rather than old childhood is a huge deal and that's basically the big difference because you still have several years of training but not the same as when they were te- when you're teaching and stuff so that was a big part of it was to try to po- provide a i guess a path that parents can think okay uh, this is still we're struggling here, but we know we're we're doing it right.
0: Yeah. The high school, my son attends their tagline is men for others. Ooh, And I that's love a it. a Christian
1: school, right? It's
0: a Jesuit school, but. I
1: love that. Yeah. But what
0: was interesting is we did a meet the teachers and a couple of the female teachers referred to them as boys and even babies because the freshmen are the youngest. <laughs> and it really rubbed my husband the wrong way because he's made it a point that for our teens, the 13 and up that he's calling them young men or men and not boys, because there's an expectation now that you are stepping up into this responsibility. And I love how you point out, you know, distinguishing old childhood from young adulthood is the parenting method of obedience that we are so overemphasized in the Christian parenting circles and how that applies to these years. If we continue to think, I ask you to do this and I have this authoritative stance and right. you do what I say when I say,
1: right. Talk you know, to us about is that. that. Well, obedience is a fine thing to uh, expect from your children. And ironically, uh, more and more younger parents are doing it in reverse. They're actually pretty flexible with their children. that do not demand obedience as much because, well, my child has fill in the blank impulsive uh, kind of distract, whatever. We need to be real understanding so we don't demand obedience, then all of a sudden, when they're young adults, we start really kind of getting fearful and, and locking things down. The difference is that obedience is, is a good thing. You should do that with your children. But after adolescence, the goal of obedience just means that you're going to raise a kind of obedient adult if, you, if they have a soft enough temperament that you can't be, meaning that when they leave you, they will look for some charismatic other adult to tell them how to live their life we need to develop especially as christian parents responsible adults that have had practice with dealing with what do you between you and god what music do you think you should listen to or look i wouldn't be friends with her but she's your friend that you know this needs to be up to you while they're still in our house for us to give guidance so obedience fine goal go for it with children but after 13 it's it's really irresponsible to keep expecting and and if you have teenagers, you know how well the answer because I said so goes over. I mean, they just—it's not good parenting.
0: Well, and I feel like it does open the door for rebellion, and yeah. dishonesty, and a a kind of a a chink in your relationship. Then they feel guilt for being dishonest. I mean, I just feel like there's a cycle there. That until I heard you say that, I was like, oh, yeah this is actually not setting up my child for success or for our relationship or for their relationship with God, because then they feel the right. and shame. If yeah. I
1: get one more teenager telling me, um, well, don't tell my parents, they'll be mad, but no, I'm not a Christian. Oh, what do you mean? You can't be open about that. I mean, if, if your parents can't even talk to you about that without you fearing, you're going to quote be in trouble then you got nothing going. You know, when you say rebellion, it's funny because I've spent 30 years talking to hundreds of teenagers and you find out that that, what we call rebellion has a purpose. Their purpose is, you know, to answer the question, okay, when will you say it's time for me to be on the same level with you as an adult? That's a reasonable question, but it depends on which side of the formula you're looking at. Teenagers will lie to their parents and Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, not even feel guilty about it. Yeah. because it's it's a passive war. You're an occupying army in my life. And uh, I don't have to tell you uh, if I've done my homework or not. It's not your business. Now, when I talk to teenagers, I always press the opposite, which is, dude, why don't you have the courage to just say, hey, I don't want to answer that because I feel it's not, my, it's not your business. Oh, they wouldn't like that. Well, lying isn't great either, you big chicken. Be a man, get up there and tell the truth. <laughs> So, you know, being an adult is not the same as just letting them do whatever it's it's expecting certain responsibility that they have to pick up the pace and be, uh, you know, clear communication with you back.
0: I think I'm going to point out what you said, because I'm familiar with it. But in case the listeners not, you say that the lot of the behavior we see in this age group is them asking the question, when am I going to be an adult?
1: That's right. It's a an very adult? good. It's a very reasonable question yeah. by about 13. The cognitive development, they're thinking pretty much like parents. We call it formal operational thought. Uh, they are looking more like adults or their friends are if your kid isn't, you know, that and, and so it's a very reasonable question uh, from those that know me best. Hey, pretty soon I'm going to be just like you. When will you say it's time for me to be fully an adult? And how will I know I got there?
0: And. What I love, and we talked about this, I I told you in our tween episode, is this individuation of wanting to be an adult, wanting to be on their own. It's not like we then just raise our hands and be like, okay, well, I'll just let you do whatever you want. That's right. That's because right. kids who have that experience and don't have the attachment and the safety of an adult are not any better.
1: No, that's a very good point.
0: Yeah, this is a ch- the adolescent wants to know that their loving attached people agree that they are now. At the level of being an adult,
1: because par- you problem. know parents will say, "Hey, Doctor Wilkins, everything goes fine until we say no," and mm-hmm. they really think that all my kid wants is for to wear me out. And parents will do that, like, "Fine, never mind. Don't clean your room. See what I care." That doesn't help with the basic need, just like you're getting it. That doesn't say, "Look, it is time for you to make that decision." It just says, "I'm worn out" or whatever. So, and I've seen teenagers that have, for different reasons in a weak family, been pretty much left on their own. Uh, not because they were ever signaled, you know, hey, it's now your time. These are not happy teenagers. They're very depressed. It's not not what they want. They want to know from the people that know them, when will you say it is time for me to handle this myself? By the way, handle it myself doesn't mean sort of back off because you trust I will do this the way you think I should do this. (laughs) Handle it myself means you will back away because you know that Even if I do it different from what you think I should do, it's time for me to make that choice.
0: You know, there's a fantastic adult out there who will improve your business. The trick is you have to find them and you need a hiring partner that helps you reach those new heights. You need Indeed. And so Indeed is the hiring platform that will help you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You're not going to spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do that all with Indeed. You're going to find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. If you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers found quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. What I think is really cool, I mentioned the virtual interview, what's great about it is you don't have to make your candidates jump through hoops and click on other things and download other things, they just click and talk. With virtual interviews, it saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview all in one place. So you can connect with your applicants without any extra installations. Their tool works straight from your browser, saves you headaches, and you can save days in hiring time according to Indeed data. So join over 3 million businesses worldwide. Use Indeed to hire great talent Fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. So visit Indeed.com DMA to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com DMA. Indeed.com slash DMA. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. If you need a hire, you need Indeed. If you want everything folded like Marie Kondo in the drawers, ah, and I'm fine Marie with Kondo. them, <laughs> I'm fine with them being in the drawer or being in my chair, and I know where they are. That's like you, right. You have to be okay with my how. Um, it's my clothes. I, it's how I look when I go to high school. If I want to have wrinkled things, I may not steam them like you steam your clothes. You mentioned this battle. You used analogy. I know, and I've got a map behind me. It's making me think of what you're you, did, you yeah. talk about. Yeah. Um, you talk about planned emancipation yes, and you have this country analogy. I would love for you to talk through that because we're saying this. Yes. They want loving, caring people who tell them you are now an adult and you have this formula. Tell us the formula. Give us the
1: formula. uh, Okay. So it's funny because, um, When you said it's you always get the title of the book wrong. I had an agent once say, you know, your title sounds like a cookbook. Why don't you name the book planned emancipation? It's Uh, that central to the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, So planned emancipation is essentially understanding what a young adult needs, an adolescent needs, which is individuation. When will you say it's time for me to handle these things myself? You get on top of that and you announce, you know what, in orderly stages, we will absolutely let you know this thing is now up to you this thing is now up to you so with parents uh, on their 13th birthday for example which is a pretty good place to start I recommend that you hand if you want go ahead and write it out I have it in the book that say it's called a freedoms list and a freedoms list my favorite is because it just stumps teenagers like wait what because it says on one side uh, these are your freedoms uh, and the language I recommend is something like Uh, For example, music. If you're trying to still control your teenager's music in 21st century, I'm here to tell you, you just look silly because you can't. So to get out ahead of that, you want to absolutely let them know we're okay with that. So you put on the freedoms list, not you can listen to bad music. That's a privilege. Freedom says, use your own judgment in deciding what music that you want to listen to. Now, on the other side of the page is boundaries that you don't want to overemphasize, but your freedom shouldn't mess with us. So boundaries that you have to be responsible for is um, if we catch your little brother listening to it, you'll be in trouble. Uh, I don't want to hear it. It's got to be through your headphones, things like that. But the key being it's a list of saying now that you have started young adulthood, we think you need to make your own decision about these things. Use your own judgment. That's the oxygen that Western, especially American parents don't know how to give to their teenager. We didn't get it. You know, we used to have more. I'm old. I, things used to symbolically mean that. Like I know on my 16th birthday, I was at the DMV getting my driver's license. It meant something. It's symbolic. Well, our kids don't even do that anymore. It's—it They don't really think about these are planned steps where we're leaving this to you uh, giving the overall message that, and by the way, you're finished pretty much the day they graduate high school. That's pretty much the way our culture decides it. I think the same is in, can, in Canadian, and we have listeners on my podcast for all over the place, just like you, I'm sure. And I think it's relatively when you finish high school. But at that point, you will be managing your own life with your own responsibilities and so forth. So, planned emancipation is basically an orderly retreat from what they feel like is their own country. They feel I have a map there you're referring to, the sovereign nation of Brandon or whoever your kid is, you know. And you want to picture that how they feel is that you are troops occupying their life. And, you know, there's states like my clothes, my music, my friends. And you want to orderly retreat from these areas so that they know. And this is the main message, I think, for concerned Christian parents is you need to give your young adult the message You can grow up here in this house. You do not have to get away. There's Mm. just so many, you know, Christians, young people that felt like the only way I was going to reach the essential stage of adulthood is to get away. And we don't want Mm. that. Mm.
0: If you're hearing that for the first time and that just blew your (laughs) mind, (laughs) just take a little pause break. Come back to us because it is worth it. Y'all, the relation, I could cry. The relationship I have with my 17 and 15 year old is so sweet. They are so willing to be with us because we have said you can have freedoms here. We had a fantastic dinner last night with all six of us. And my 10 year old planned like a little game Olympics where he divided us into two groups of three and we went through different games and my teens were not only participating, but like fun and excited. And that was not because of me. That was because they feel like we aren't micromanaging these areas. So they're willing to come be with us. And it is a gift. I'm super thankful to you, Ken, for giving our family because I would have micromanaged like and felt like, oh, my gosh, my son's listening to explicit rap music. He is no longer believing in Jesus, you know, and it was a season. It was a stage. (laughs) He wanted a gold chain. I'm like, fine get a gold (laughs) chain. If you want to look, you know, the gold chain. I'm just saying I I would have thought good moms don't let my kids do this. Good Christian moms don't let their kids do this. If you do, everyone's going to judge you. And I'm super thankful that we're doing things this way.
1: Well, you know, the intensity that you say that is really gratifying because uh, yeah, it has that effect of absolutely keeping your relationship with your children. My kids are now late twenty and 30s with grandchildren. So, but I'm particularly encouraged to hear that because it's hard for moms. It's yeah. hard for good nurture mothers. It to, you know, again, you're not letting go of everything. There's still a list of stuff that you can't do. Phone is always the thing Ugh. that it's, they'll fight you to the death over, but you still have to hold on to those restrictions. But Like you said, the areas that you say, nope, look, you can see that you're getting older, you're getting let go. It feels to mothers like you don't care. Nurturing says I need that's my child. I need to make sure and take care of her to do what she needs. Uh, And it's really tough to not feel like you're doing it wrong and you're showing that you don't love uh, your young adult child. So I I love that you get it and you're passionate because I'm sure it was harder for you than their dad. Uh, dads tend to kind of get this a little bit, but it really good moms. It's hard.
0: I think some dads it's, it can be hard. And I was going to talk about that. Yeah, like true. aligning true. as a parent, like if the dad grew up maybe in a more authoritative right. environment and that worked for him, quote unquote, that worked right. for him. He hasn't maybe dealt with all his junk, but that, <laughs> quote unquote, I he raised me up to be an adult. Then they're not willing to maybe consider giving these freedoms because that feels like we've lost this authoritative role in our kid's life and they're just yes. going to become a hellion. Vice versa. Mom might feel that way too. So right. talk to us about how do we align as parents, which is, I think the teen years brings a lot to this, like your marriage can have a really hard time because yes. the stakes are so high and yes. it feels like failure when really big things happen.
1: Okay. So what's really important to know about that is that, Parenting issues, for example, are one of the big three that don't cause the problem in the marriage. It displays the weakness in your marriage. It's money, religion, and children are the main big three that are just very important to both of you. And you may wake up by adolescence for sure when you realize, wow, we do not see this the same. The most common is a dad who's not great at expressing it, but he is actually saying we need to not get into unnecessary control battles. We should back off. And a mom is thinking, you are nuts. You're not even here as much as I am. You don't get it. And uh, he'll do that male thing of, fine, if you want to do it, and he'll back off, which makes her feel alone, which is just really difficult. So the first way to deal with that is to recognize that uh, you don't start loading up your parenting book ammo and fire at each other with, no, no, I found a thing that said this and that. You have to treat that as married people. And that means knowing about how marriage works, which is a whole different thing. I got into doing a lot of marriage therapy because of this. You know, you can't do one without the other. So you don't just step in and start demanding or angrily because, you know, you're scared. So you start getting really intensely arguing with each other about stuff. You have to take care of each other. And what that almost always means is that a, a husband has got to be careful to make sure his wife feels heard And I'm more than just heard, but like really understood. Mm Because men will listen to their wife with, you know, that, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, waiting, you know, till you finish, just so he can say his thing. It's critical to all wives that she not feel alone. And so, you know, even if he's right about it, if he doesn't do it in a way that helps her to know she's heard, then he's doing it wrong. But the part that's poorly understood for wives is that husbands are super vulnerable to shame he really needs to feel respected. You know, it's funny, I always think about uh, Ephesians 5 that tells wives to submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Because if you're respecting your husband because of what he's earned and he deserves it, you're going to be waiting a long time. We don't deserve it. But let's pretend that Jesus wants you to and act like he's not an idiot and give him. Men are just super touchy about um, whether they feel like they're appreciated and respected. So a wife, even if she is... You know, really, right about it, but says it in a way that's demeaning and steps all over his fragile. Men are incredibly fragile in marriage. That you know, steps on his toes. She's wrong, even if she's right. Mm-hmm. So you have to do it that way. It, it involves not what we're dealing with with our teenager, but where are we? Are we taking a walk? Are we, t- you know, how's our marriage in general? Because you cannot set aside. Listen, we'll we'll worry about our marriage later. We got to get these kids through. Nope, it's the reverse it's It's the opposite. You have to make sure that you're caring for each other. A wife knowing that she's loved and heard and and a husband being protected from his shame of he'll think you're telling him he's a loser it mm-hmm. It's weird how men are with that, so you have to really approach it marriage first, and the topic of parenting just happens to be the thing that you're dealing with,
0: yeah, that's really wise. Some of you know that I'm in the stage with my oldest son, who's 17, of looking at colleges. And last weekend, we went on a trip to Auburn, Alabama, where my brother was a student eons ago. No, sorry, bro. Uh, But I was thrilled that I brought my Rothy's. I wore them on our college tour. I wore them on during all the tailgating throughout the game. It was literally a super long day from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. and I'm My feet felt great because Rothy's were comfortable. I also knew that they looked amazing. I got lots of people asking, oh, where are these from? Because they had the Auburn colors on them. They were like, um, had a little blue, had a little orange. They have so many amazing sneakers. If you have not checked out Rothy's, not only, like I said, are they cute with classic styles, they are made with recycled single-use plastic bottles. So whether you do the slip-on or lace-up, you're going to find extraordinary comfort. With them and know they're built to last and you know how keeping white and really any other color sneaker can be a challenge that's why that's awesome they're a hundred percent machine washable so they can stay your favorite shoes for years to come rothy's original slip-on sneakers won best slip-on sneaker from self magazine's 2022 sneaker awards so comfort you can wash them they last they're cute why have you not checked them out? Get stylish shoes. They're versatile and endurable enough. You can wear them all the time with Rothy's. Get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash DMA. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash DMA. Being with my brother last weekend in his alma mater, I felt like I got to know him a little bit better. I got a view into his story. He's 11 years older than me, and there's so much that I don't know about him and just seeing him run into his fraternity brothers and just hearing little stories from his time in college, things I'd never heard before. It got me wondering, how many other stories don't I know about my brother? That's why I love StoryWorth. Whether it's your parents, your siblings, an aunt and uncle, StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones stay connected through sharing stories and memories. Every week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a unique prompt of your choice from a vast pool of thought-provoking questions like what's your fondest childhood memory or what's the best advice you ever received? You can read through these answers and get more connected with your loved one. And I'm not the only one who's discovered incredible stories. The Story Worth podcast spotlights actual Story Worth customers who volunteer to share their stories with you. The podcast shares some of the most heartfelt, hilarious, and inspiring stories for everyone to hear. Story Worth brings you closer to your loved one's Learn all about the stories you can discover together at storyworth.com slash podcast. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H.com slash podcast to learn all about the stories you can discover. Storyworth.com slash podcast. And I can imagine you, t- you mentioned fear. Like a lot of yeah. this is fear driven. Yes. I know for me. Offering those freedoms, like I mentioned earlier, makes me fearful of judgment of others. So if one of the freedom areas we give or one of the areas of the country where you're emancipating is a public thing. So let's say girls in clothing or dating and we get feedback or judgment from other moms. How do we navigate that? How do we stick to our guns?
1: Well, you know, let's be Honest, Heather, mostly you're you're navigating your perceived judgment of other mothers. Yeah, because most and and by the way, it's almost always mothers thinking about how each other's men don't go around going, dude, I think you're not parenting right. That, whatever. <laughs> that's just not what we no, do. But
0: there's so, lots of judgy mumps. OK, I'm trying to I'm trying to get rid of it. OK, I'm trying to change the community here. Ken. that's the yeah, don't yeah. mom alone. Like, let's yeah, stop yeah. doing that. Yeah. Well,
1: I think it's very important among other times in lives of parents, mothers need to be in a community that supports each other, which will mean, by the way, because you know, the more fearful mom is the one that she doesn't sound afraid. She sounds knowledgeable mm. and real passionate, yeah. and the worst is uh, actually more obedient to God than you are. Oh, great. okay, fine. go ahead. Uh, you know, it's it, we're all fearful. Yeah. And I think Jesus will forgive us for our fear, but we really need to push against it. Uh, mm-hmm. These are not our kids that God steps back and crosses his big fingers and hopes we don't screw it up. You know, you're not even with your kid right now. Jesus, the spirit is with our kids all the time. Doesn't need your help. It's actually a passionate process we can have the opportunity to join into, which is great, but it's yeah. not the scary thing. So I think, yeah, you really do have to, uh, I know churches that, have a whole program that looks at some marriage stuff. They use my book as well, and uh, mentoring parents that really walk uh, parents through this, especially that fear of you know I'm I'm looking like I'm doing it wrong because uh, it never works out the other way. The parent that's giving over um, more f- uh, freedoms almost never is the one that wins the judgy war. It's the fearful, over controlling mom. And again, I think you have to have compassion that, you know, she's not a, trying to be judgy. Uh, we're just a sinful. That's what we do naturally. We judge all the time, but B she's afraid. Yeah. So you have to kind of not only uh, help encourage each other that it's okay. You're doing it right. I saw your daughter's hold the jeans and the holes in her jeans Sunday. I got it. Yeah. But you did good, you know, but she's you also have to help the scared. Yeah, that's exactly right. Which <laughs> uh, she's at church until, the age, maybe senior year, that you say you don't have to go to church either. Yeah, everyone relax. Take a break.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone just it, had a panic attack, Can
1: can be late. It should be late in life. Spring yeah. of senior year, maybe. But yeah, the point that you say, by the way, it's between you and God, whether you go to church or not.
0: Yeah. Why?
1: Because what do you want to do? Wait until they leave your home to then make that decision? Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but the world is getting darker. Christianity looks ridiculous to the world. Well, we I think the world's afford. always we- been
0: dark. Right. Like, I mean, let's talk about like the medieval times. I mean, yeah, like- well, I'm not
1: going to. Yeah, I'm not going to make a statement for, um, you know, the good old days. Yeah, I'm old no. enough that. Yeah. Ask an African-American uh, Christian about the good old days yeah, in the 60s. No, no.
0: but no, I don't think as far that, yeah. as yeah. The,
1: this kind of general sense of pushback. Our yeah. our young adults have to leave home with their own strength of commitment, not based on their parents.
0: Totally. Okay. So I know our time is wrapping up, but I get a lot of questions about dating. And I think it would be good to frame that question in light of planned emancipation. Like what would that look like in a plan?
1: So there's research and everything says there's, there's virtually no reason to allow dating before 16. Dating is like when you can go off in a car with another human, you know, and be on your own. And there's no reason to do that earlier uh, group stuff. Sure. But you want to be pretty open that your rules about dating mostly are about sex. Uh, we are trying to help you not do that. Parents are odd about, well, why can't I be in my bedroom with my boyfriend? Um, sex, that's, (laughs) that's the thing that, you know, you don't need to (laughs) hold back on that. We're not going to have sex, not today, but it's a slippery slope. And by the way, your caution, our caution with you about sex isn't just for you, all adults are aware that sexual desire is a fire that can consume you. But after 16, yeah, that's basically saying, look, now it's a point where we can't make sure that doesn't happen. We're going to try to help you, but it's actually up to you. So that goes on the freedoms list after 16. I remember with each of my kids, I said, well, you're 16. You can date now. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can.
0: (laughs) What's awesome was when they come to the conclusion that they're like, I don't see a point in dating unless exactly I'm getting married.
1: Right. Like and, when and that talk to you clarity comes, that's, right. That's, that's, right. that's
0: a gift. Yeah,
1: that's right. And you think about, it, you know, there's so many dads that love to tell their speech to some, you know, the thing they want to tell a boy that's coming to pick up their daughter while he's polishing his shotgun and whatever <laughs> that, that speech has no influence. If your daughter isn't in agreement with you and open, you want to be a really scary dad. You tell that guy, hey, my daughter and I are really close and um, I hope you have a great time because we'll be talking about everything that happened later. That's scary. If you're right, then yeah, that makes a huge difference. It's all about, do you have enough connection with your teenager that they know the truth, which is at this age, you have to make your own decision about who you date and how you date. Uh, But i would I, I don't think there's any reason to rush that before the age of 16.
0: well and then the other argument that we shouldn't allow them until they go off to college talk to us about why that's maybe not a wise path you know
1: virtually everything i talk about is mo is about what's effective yeah and so i know it's not effective by the way trying to, to police relationships based on well if he's a guy friend of yours he can go on vacation but not a boyfriend that's ridiculous. I don't care what you call it. You, you know, he may be your fiance, but you can't get in a car with him until you're sixteen. You know, so. But with this idea of waiting until they go to college doesn't work because they will get together with other teenagers. And then, secondly, as we've said the whole time, that's a perfect example of uh, you won't get across the message you're trying to get across about purity and and sexuality. The only message they'll hear is. You're still a kid. You're still a kid. You're still a kid. I have to get away. I can't grow up here. And they won't hear you. So um, you, you really need to put you put everything eventually into that freedoms list so that and we don't have time to get into it. But that makes you much more effective, as you mentioned, in communicating. Your kids will talk to you about stuff if they know they have freedom. They will come and even our children, not everything, but they asked our advice about stuff. Yeah, uh, We could talk very freely because we let them know the thing we're talking about isn't our basically what we're protecting. It's up to you. And it's very influential. You can be very much more influential with your kids.
0: What are some good phrases as we're having those conversations that kind of give I heard you say it when you were talking about music, like how does that choice. You you use some words I'd love to emphasize, like good wording as we're talking to our kids about these. That's freedoms. a great
1: question. Judgment is one of the first words I would try to work that in. I can't, you know, teenagers will come and they're so frustrated. And, you know, uh, you know, she always asks, when am I, where am I going to be? And all that. And I've said to teenagers, you're a good kid. You always are where you want to be. Why does it bother you? Um, um, and I'll say, is it because they don't seem to trust your judgment? Yeah, that's it. It's, why do you not trust my judgment, or realize I have to use my own judgment? So that's a big word that I would throw in a lot. Like, so hey, is, it, I don't is like- it
0: bad to ask where they're going? Like, I'm realizing. No, no,
1: that's the, almost always until the end of high school. The, it's pretty common expectation. We need to know where you're going, who you're going to okay. be with, and when you'll. Be I was back.
0: like, oh shoot, should I not be asking that? Yeah,
1: now, no. But it's what why it bothers
0: them. them. It's it bothers why it bothers them.
1: judgment. Yeah. Yes, um, mm-hmm. but but you know, looking for opportunities to say, look. Can I ask you about your music? And I know, you know, at your age, that's another one at your age. You're too old to be answering to me about that. You have to use your own judgment. But can I just mention that one would be one you want to look for creative ways to involve them more as an adult than with children? If you've got children still in the house and and teenagers in the house, look for creative ways to say, hey, we're going to be talking about vacation this summer. Uh, The two younger ones you take off. Uh, you know, with your brother, can I? Uh, would you mind at talking with us? We want to all use the adults in the family to plan this. Look for ways that show them that you're at a different level here with us. The freedoms are part of that, but also letting them know. Use your own judgment at your age. And hey, can we ask your advice, especially moms and sons? Ask your son for help. Hey, can you help me with this? Uh, you know, I don't know how to get my computer to do that. You know, teenagers love being reminded of what they have, you know, com- uh, the, what they're competent in. Yeah. And as you've noticed, teenagers don't like when you go, good job. You're really good at the kid <laughs> stuff. You, they, What they want to hear is, wow, thanks, because I didn't know how to do that. Appreciate yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Um, and then jobs. I felt like when our oldest got a job, that was a big, I saw a big ramp up in his responsibility and his Attachment to us,
1: especially jobs that involve customer service. It's like all young adults need to spend some time being treated with the incredible disrespect that is, you know, goes on out there so that you won't do that. But a job, I think, you know, it's complicated with teenagers getting a job, but I I, I think it's a huge deal to um, make sure that at the very least uh, we're cutting the money flow because you need to go get your own job. And we expect it not. Here's, you know, six places I've applied for you and I got you a little thing. You know, it really needs to be about, um, I'm not paying for all this stuff. Uh, you know, you're 17, forget it. You need to figure that out yourself and and give them more than just a lesson in jobs. It's a uh, requirement that, you know, you're expected to uh, pull your own weight here at your age. So you get pretty firm about it.
0: And there are things that we don't get to dictate anymore. Like we don't get to say, don't talk to me in that disrespectful way. Right.
1: Uh, Well, okay. That's the tricky part is that what you're talking about is that most households, it's a good idea to have a, a respect rule. Okay. But it is easier than you think to accidentally make a rule that says you're not allowed to be real mad at me for something I think isn't reasonable. That's not a fair rule, but if you put in, you can't yell at me. Well, if anyone's married, you've been married and know that the other one will go, I'm not yelling. Yes, you are. (laughs) Judgment about yelling. Uh, if tone of voice, uh, sarcasm, all these under the radar things, they are difficult to put on a rules list because if you watch a video of it, how do you know you're seeing it? So what you can police is things like you cannot call me names. You cannot curse at me you cannot give me direct orders. Those are three easy ones. People often don't think about the direct order. Hey, shut up. Get out of here. Nope. Sorry. But those things aren't that you'll get yelled at. This is also in the book. The other list, the expectation consequences list would be, oh, wow, it was better when you just said that this is stupid, but you said I'm stupid. So you owe me a dollar. Like you have to have a consequence that when you do this, it will cost you. And, And you pull the trigger on that every time. If you don't, You're just going to yell at them. Don't you call me that. Don't you talk like that? Then you just look dumb. Yeah.
0: And I totally understand that all of this, if you're listening, is more challenging with some of your kids than other kids. implementing a planned emancipation is going to look vastly different for a variety of children and situations. And so that's why I'm pointing you to Ken's podcast and his resources. And you can keep learning. This is just like a little blip on your radar so that I can connect you to keep learning and growing. And I'm just really thankful that you made time to chat with me today. This is really good. really
1: enjoyed it. Thanks.
0: Well, I hope we can do it again. I'm thankful for you and all your work. And so appreciate it so much. Okay, y'all. I know for some of you, that was challenging to listen to that it is pushing on some of your own fears, your own insecurities and parenting teens, um, maybe even your own journey of seeing some of these freedoms abused. And I just really want to encourage you to go follow his podcast, follow his information, get his book if you haven't, because it is, I think, really helpful to partner in this season, in this stage, and the time that we're living in, not only with Dr. Wilgus, but also with other parents who have teens and to find your safe people that you can talk through these things with. How did these strategies work for them? What ideas do they have to help you and guide you on different areas of parenting that you want to allow freedom in or you want to emancipate in the future and talk through? So I found it super helpful to be a language I can communicate with my other mom friends who have teens. And just seeing the fruit of it in some of my mom friends' lives who have kids now in college and how this process helped launch them well. Um, I'm going to pray over us as we navigate all of this. Lord, I thank you that you have not overly controlled our lives as our heavenly father. You give us free will. You allow us the freedom to choose you, to choose your way or to choose our own way and yet we also are responsible and there are consequences when we don't choose the way that's helpful. And I thank you, Lord, for setting that example for us as we parent these young adults. I pray, Lord, for wisdom and guidance as we have these conversations, as we either need to loosen reins or pull reins in and what that looks like for each unique family and each story and each Personality that's so differently wired, but for your own good purposes, Lord. I pray that you would help us as moms come together and not judge one another, but to um, provide that grace that those parents are doing what they feel is best for their own children. Lord, I thank you for uh, Dr. Ken's information and wisdom in this area and how he guides us. Uh, Lord, help us lean on you more and more every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I hope that you can join me in this cause to help these moms in Guatemala. It is such a burden on my heart. I want to support women in their countries to continue to live abundant lives where they are and to help them be financially independent. So just go to compassioncauses.com forward slash DMA. You're gonna see that income button, income generator, button, then you're going to get one more prompt, make a difference, and then you will see the bakery project, and you can read more about it there. Um, Another aspect that I learned while I was in Mexico is that one of the number one killers in the country is femicide, and so women are targeted and are vulnerable, and so we want to help love these women well, show them compassion of Christ through this local church that compassion has partnered with to do God's work. And sometimes I know as moms, it can feel like you are quote unquote, just a mom and and the problems of the world seem big. And I just wanted to invite you in a way that you could be a part of this thing we're doing as the Don't Mom Alone community so that you know that you do matter and that your part and what God's doing is big. And so to allow that for you in your day to day, I hope that you will accept that invitation and to join God and what he's doing in Guatemala. All right, thank you all for listening. I will meet you back here next week. I will have two amazing boss babes, Liz Bohannon and Jessica Honiger, talking about, you know, allowing us to work together and not compete. It's such a great episode. Look forward to sharing it with you. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast.